Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Basement Talk podcast. I am your host, Ed Birdsall, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tim Brady and Brett Mayer. Gentlemen, happy Friday. Happy almost snow day. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. No, not hopefully. Let's try and avoid that. No snow. And our wonderful producer, Matt Birdsall. Matt, how the heck are you? Can't complain. Happy it's Friday at this point, so let's just uh, enjoy the weekend. Well, we got to do some work before we can enjoy the weekend. Friday beers, everyone. Friday beers. It is in full go. So. I'm not 21. I can't drink. That That is very true. Please do not do Friday beers if you are under the age of 21, the legal age of consumption. I just wanted to get this in before we started. Um, episode 7, let's get it going. Episode 7, let's get it going. Episode 7, guys. We are on episode. Every time. We are on episode number seven. We've made it this far. Congratulations, gentlemen. And Matt still hasn't been fired. Just uh, to keep tabs on that one. That's true. That that is very very true. So we have a absolutely loaded episode today. Um, we have some deep sleeper. We have some bachelor discussion. We have a review of the college football championship game between LSU and Clemson. We have some news that we want to talk about with Luke Keekley. Of course, you decided to retire at 29 years old. Then we have some NFL Conference Championship preview, of course, AFC Championship first on Sunday, and then the NFC Championship game. And then we have some wrap-up, fallout, whatever you want to call it, of the MLB cheating scandal involving the Houston Astros, Boston Red Sox, and New York Mets. So let's just jump right into it, gentlemen. Uh, let's do some deep sleeper of the week. Deep sleeper. Some deep sleeper. Uh, we have done a random draw before the show has started, and we are going to go with Tim Brady. Surprise, surprise. Who is number one to go for deep sleeper of the week. So, Tim, start us off. Who is your deep sleeper of the week? My deep sleeper this week is uh, Nicolas Cage. Hmm. Uh, Disney just announced they're putting out National Treasure 3. <gasps> I remember liking that National Treasure 1. Uh, I'm assuming National Treasure 2 probably wasn't as good, but I don't remember either of them. Um, but Nicholas Nicholas Cage, definitely a deep sleeper because couldn't tell you the last time he was in a movie. I thought it was like five years ago at least. I thought he was in some kind of slum. Checked it out. He was in like four movies last year. Really? So he's definitely a sleeper. He's been on low for a while. I think uh, maybe National Treasure will put him back on the map. Yeah, Nicholas Cage just screams 2008 for me. Uh, even before that, yeah, maybe. probably yeah, even before that. He's pretty dated. That's like a that's like an old guy for us. I don't know. It's a real throwback, that's, right there. That's a good one. I love me some Nicholas Cage once in a while. You got a deep sleeper for us, Brett? Yes, I do. My deep sleeper of the week is Vanessa Hudgens and Vanessa Hudgens fanboys. Are you one of them? I certainly am, Tim. That's why she or she is my deep sleeper. Uh, she broke up with her boyfriend Austin Butler. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I'm debating if I want to shoot her a DM yet. I have not decided. I think you should. They were dating for nine years, and word broke out that they broke up the other day. Thank God. Nine years, and they weren't even engaged? No. That's a long time. Austin Butler, I can't even say his name, because I don't like him. Uh, He looks like a fish. Tim, I know you're looking for a picture. He's the, the he's moment. the English well, guy. He was he was a Disney guy. Is he guy. an English guy? He was a Disney guy. Oh, I think I, he's, I, I think he's guy. British. Yeah. I'm pretty sure and he's got he's got like uh, he's got like duck lips. He looks like one of those um Elvis Presley lookalikes, you know what fan, I mean? Right? He's he's actually starring in an Elvis Elvis Presley biopic. Is he really? He is. Yes. The resemblance is there. Yeah, yes. right? They have that like fish look. Can you believe that though? That she was with him? 
Unbelievable. That's ridiculous. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, ridiculous. it was a great day. I was jumping for joy. Every time I go on my Instagram now, she posts another picture. I think she's teasing me. So I will probably shoot her a DM the next time we go on air. And I'll let you guys know how it goes. This is going to be an ongoing story. Best of luck with this. Thank you. This is going to be an ongoing story of Brett's saga with Vanessa Hutch and see if he scores one. Since they broke up, I watched High School Musical three times. Are you okay? Is that a guilty pleasure that we need to know about? Oh, that is certainly a guilty pleasure. Okay. Uh, it's been one of his guilty Don't pleasures worry. for a long time. No, no, Every we'll... couple months, I'll, watch, I'll just watch them over and over again. Listen, everyone, everyone has a guilty pleasure. It's okay. There, there's no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. I have two guilty pleasures. High School Musical and Rose Bowl 2006. Those are pretty fair pleasures. I mean, uh, those are two things that would really get me going, honestly. Five out of seven. So that's over 50%. That's, ve- that's very impressive. Very impressive. Way to, way to mention Rose Bowl 2006. Very well done. Thank you. Uh, Ed, what do you have as a deep sleeper? So when you were talking about what makes you happy in life, what makes me happy in life is seeing New York Giants fans absolutely miserable. And my deep sleeper of the week is Saquon Barkley because he is going to be in line to get 4 million carries in 2020 now that Jason Garrett is officially the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. I have been waiting for this day since the links came out that Jason Garrett was going to be the offensive coordinator for the Giants just to make Giants fans absolutely miserable knowing that they've made fun of this man, they have ridiculed this man for the last 10 years, and now he is their offensive coordinator and their head coach in waiting when Joe Judge gets fired. I think everyone in the NFL has ridiculed and made fun of Jason Garrett for the last 10 years. Yes, this is very true. And I don't want to get too in-depth in this right now. We could save it for another day, but I really don't think it's a bad hire. No, it's not a bad hire. I never said it was. No, no, no. I just want to put that out there, though. I did. I know you do. I I think that Giants fans should have some faith in this. I think that there's a certain degree of he is almost bound to just make them better. But you saying to Giants fans that they should have faith is like saying to Giants fans that they should have faith in Dave Gettleman. It's almost the same thing. Well, was Dave Gettleman ever a head coach, though? No, but uh, let's ask this resident Giants fan. Uh, resident Giants fan, what is your opinion about your general manager, Dave Gettleman? He's the worst general manager in all of sports. Um, Thank uh, you. Proves my point. I was thinking of Shermer. I was thinking of Shermer. New, New York is notorious for having two of the worst things that you can have for your sports organizations. The worst owner in sports and James Dolan in the New York Knicks. Oh, I thought we were going to go with John Mara. I was about to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, whoa, no. Whoa. John, the Mara's great people. And Dave Gettleman being the worst GM in all of sports. And you re- no. That's that's the fan talking in you. That, that that's, a, that's an interesting debate now. Who is the worst yeah. general manager in sports? I mean, Dave I think Gettleman. I don't think he's even the worst general manager in his own city. I think the guy in Queens may have something to say about that. Oh, Brody Van Berman or whatever. Van Wegman. Van Wegman, yeah. Good old Brody. I think he may have a case to be the worst GM in in at least the city of New York. I mean, I don't even know if in sports. Who's even? Who's the Browns GM right now? Is it Dorsey? Well, they just, it they was Dorsey, but he's fired. Yeah, yeah he's not. He's not even GM yeah, anymore. I'm not going to well, say Gettleman's the worst GM in the in all of sports, let alone the NFL. You do have the uh, the benefit of saying that though. The Browns don't have a GM right now, so therefore there's no competition from the Browns in having the worst GM because whoever the Browns have will probably be that. Fuck the Browns. Every bad GM got fired. Yeah. That's why they're. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, you could make a case that Jerry Jones should be in that category. Jerry Jones, the GM. Of, Come on. For being for being the worst GM in sports, he stuck with Jason Garrett for ten years. He's a he's a PR nightmare, and he sticks to his ways fine. But that stadium's running, that team's still putting out a winning record at least every once in a while. 
Jerry Jones, the owner, I have no problems with. It's Jerry Jones, the GM. This is the same guy that had to be wrestled by his own son and his vice president of player personnel, Will McClay, from drafting Johnny Manziel when they said, no, we're drafting Zach Martin. Because Jerry, the GM, wanted Johnny Manziel for the cash. To say that Jerry Jones is one of the worst, though, I mean, I get you're saying Jerry's bad, fine, but... I don't even Jerry Jones the GM. I don't just even be consider clear, GM. Jerry Jones the day-to-day GM of that team anymore anyway. Really? Like you don't his, think you don't his think son so? and what's it McClay? Uh, Stephen Jones and Will McClay. Will yeah. McClay and Stephen Jones run the day-to-day operations as far as the way the roster is set up and the way the draft goes. I'm 100% going to say Jerry Jones doesn't take part in that anymore. He makes the biggest decisions. It comes down to him, but I think he lets his son and McClay do most of the work. Did, did you bring this up just so we can talk about the Cowboys right now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think you fucking did. <laughs> uh, no, I think I brought up... No, I brought up the point that Jerry Jones may be the worst GM in sports. I brought up a negative point. I didn't bring up a positive point. I brought up a negative point. And I would, I'd, going off of what Brett said, uh, just to uh, rebuttal his point, um, I think if it were Stephen Jones and Will McClay really running the show, Mike McCarthy would not have gotten that job. I think that was a, that was a Jerry... Call. No, definitely. I'm not saying he doesn't make any decisions because he makes the biggest decisions because yeah. he's the owner. But I think as far as the draft goes, as far as you know, second round picks, third round picks, I, I don't think Jerry's making these decisions. No, I don't. I, at that point, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that point. But in terms of the biggest, biggest decisions, it's it's running through Jerry. It's it's running through Jerry. So maybe Stephen and Will maybe have the most say in what goes on, but final decisions are always going to go through through Jerry, which makes him owner GM. And Judge Jerry, final executioner of the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe the worst GM in sports. So, uh, going back to Gettleman, uh, I, 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 you know, honestly, I don't think he's that bad. He made one terrible coaching hire with Shermer that just didn't work out. But and I don't think it was terrible at the time. Yeah, yeah. He, he, just, he, was, he just didn't pan out. Like I'm not gonna say it was. Terrible. Yeah. I'm ex- I was excited for Pat. Yeah, Shermer. he was coming off of a Viking season with he just led Case Keenum to a 13 and three record with a very good offense. Like yeah, but he had the six, the, the limited success in Cleveland. We all knew what he was as, as a head coach. I am gonna so. give you that. Also, he made that stupid Leonard Williams trade this year. I think that was ridiculous. I don't yeah. know why more people didn't hop on that. They gave away two draft picks for a guy who's on a contract year. No, that's fair. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's fair. Then they could just sign him in free agency. You know, that's no, that's a fair that point. I'll give it to you. Break. I'll give it to you. So, but then we can I'll, counter that with he traded Odell Beckham, and look what Odell's doing at the moment. Yeah, but like but he said, also he signed Odell Beckham to a contract, a long-term contract, yeah. which made no sense. Well, that's true. But going back to the deep sleeper part of this, Saquon Barkley, I feel like I've mentioned him only once. Um, (laughs) Saquon Barkley may very well have gotten the fantasy boost that he needs to be considered possibly a top three pick in drafts next year because now we all know Jason Garrett going in there, what he's done with Ezekiel Elliott. And let's give credit to Jason Garrett. He fixed that offensive line in Dallas. And and what's that? And DeMarco Murray. That's true. That's true. And DeMarco Murray. So he wants to run that 90s offense. The 90s offenses typically are more run heavy. And Saquon, he's going to feel the after effects of all this. I think he's going to be someone that can really carry the load for the Giants. I mean, we've seen that he can do that. But for fantasy, hot and heavy over Saquon Barkley. If an option for carrying the load was putting it all actually physically on his back and walking as far as he could with it, I think Saquon might be the best candidate for putting the whole team on your back. Like, Saquon's yeah. probably got the best ability to carry an entire football team's worth of stuff 
as far as you can. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And it takes the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands. Danny fumbles. Danny fumbles. Don't call Danny. Don't call Mr. Dimes Danny fumbles. All right. No, he yeah. deserves the Danny fumbles. Nickname, he man. deserves Danny fumbles. Hey, you know what? Protect that rock, young man. That's going to be your biggest ups. Well, now he won't be dropping back 35, 40 times a game because Jason Garrett's going to call runs even when they're down by twenty-one points. So, uh, Matt, who is your uh, who is your deep sleeper? So. I didn't really come prepared to this show for with a deep oh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'll get down in the book. I've literally, I've, Strike one. I've been scrolling Twitter this whole time <laughs> trying to find something that seems enlightening for our faithful viewers that decide to come back every week. But um, I found something that has caught my eye that was tweeted two hours ago by a young gentleman by the name of Will Bill Disley. Oh, I'm excited. And, well, I just want to let you know, I still have the same feelings deep down in my heart, and I still get very upset thinking about this every day when Will Bill Disley tweeted that he is still upset about the Game of Thrones ending. Ooh. Hmm. So, so hmm. what exactly well, is yeah, what is he? Sleeper? I'm just curious. He, that Bill Disley. Disley. Bill Disley. Okay, he's, okay. he's a oh, deep yeah, sleeper. Don't sleep. He's coming back. He'll make his return. Bill Disley, Bill Disley is a deep sleeper. I wonder why he's upset with the ending, specifically. What about? Does well, he, he missed say? a lot of time this year, so he probably rewatched Game of Thrones. Most likely. Maybe yeah. he just finished it and he realized that that shit sucked at the end. At the end, the rest of the show, phenomenal. But That's, that's a dedicated med right there. He decided that he was going to spend his free time away from football and the needed rehab so we can come back and be the needed tight end one in Seattle to watch the best TV show ever. Ooh, woo! That's a conversation for another episode. That's a hot take. Love you, Bill. I'll draft you next year if you're healthy. That's a hot take. The best TV show ever. That's a conversation for another day because that conversation could be an hour long, but think, uh, think my man Tony Soprano may have something to say about that. Speaking of television shows, great segue. Let's talk about The Bachelor, gentlemen. And, of course, the big, big controversy on the show this week was Champagne Gates. What happened, in case you are uh, wondering, is Kelsey, who is one of the ladies on the show, brought a bottle of champagne from her home to the mansion in an effort that she was going to crack the bottle open and she was going to spend it with Peter and it was going to be wonderful. She had been waiting a year to do this and... She brought the champagne in with ice and the bucket and two glasses, put it by the fire where Peter was mingling with all different women, and Hannah Ann walks in, sees the champagne with Peter, and says, hey, let's crack it open, and bam, all hell breaks loose. This is going to be a recurring theme for the rest of the season. I think Kelsey and Hannah Ann are going to go far enough together where this is going to be something that literally goes on weeks down the line. Um, so, Tim, we're going to pledge our allegiance here to one side. I, I'm on I'm on the Kelsey side. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, I'm on the Kelsey side. No, it's Team Hannah Ann right now. Oh, Team, but, team Hannah Ann. No. Come on. No. Hannah, Hannah Ann is a snake, but I will say that Kelsey should have prepared that better, and she should not have walked in and left her unaccompanied bottle of champagne in a mansion where there's a whole production set going on that anybody could have mistaken that the champagne was brought by a producer, an extra, whatever. 
to be consumed by two other people having a conversation. That's where I, I draw the line. If I had to pick a side, I'm really not in any corner. I think it was just stupid all the way around. Oh, that's not fair. Um, no, it's you true. You pick a side, you got to die by your side. No, but if I had to pick a side, I'm, I'm picking the Kelsey side. So why are you picking the Kelsey side? Because I think Hannah Ann is the villain of the season. No. She's the okay. villain of the season. They need they need something to build her around, and that is th- that is it. Hannah That's Ann. the one. But Hannah Ann is going to go further than Kelsey. She's an opportunist. Oh, she absolutely is. They, so Kelsey left out this wonderful opportunity for her to get a leg up and expected no one to take it. That's well, she was stupid by, bring, by leaving it out in the first place. No, Kelsey's dramatic as fuck. I, I honestly, I can't Way stand too it. dramatic. I can't they all are. Welcome to The Bachelor. No, you can tell that Kelsey cries every time she goes out. But that's just her personality. She just gets drunk and cries. I agree. She's a whiny brat. Fair, but we could fast forward later in the episode when Hannah Ann goes to Peter and says that Kelsey was bullying her. Which she was. Give me a fucking break. She was. Give me a fucking uh, yeah. break. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of what Hannah Ann did no, there. I, I agree with that on that one. I mean, That's, the, the bullying part? Snitches was, get stitches. Yeah, she did snitch. She, she's set up to be the villain of the whole season. She is. No, she 100%, 100%, she 100% is. is. That's she, why I changed my player comp for her. Madison is no longer LeBron. Hannah Ann is LeBron. Okay, yeah. Madison is now Kawhi Leonard. Okay. She knows nothing about being bullied. Nothing. No, that word gets thrown around a lot, too. Yeah, that was pretty hard. She does. She does. And was Kelsey out of line by going up to her and saying what she said? Possibly. Because she's, she's going up to Hannah Ann like, oh, you know what you did, you know what you did. How the fuck was she supposed to know? Uh, no, that that part I agree. Can I can I mention something very, very dire to this whole champagne gate? Go ahead. So, the bottle of champagne that Kelsey brought was a Dom Perignon oh. Brut Vintage bottle. Oh. Anyone want to guess what that bottle is listed at price? 1500 I've, I, don't, I really have no idea. Or is it cheaper? Three grand. Just come on, it's champagne. Oh, it's 150 No, 270 Oh, it's around there, yeah. A 270 bottle of champagne was left near a fucking fireplace. Yeah, and well, there lies the problem. There, she's sitting there complaining, coming on air, talking about, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me. Like, make your own time. Agreed. You, you're crying about how he does, how all these girls are going up to him. Well, you gotta, you gotta be persistent here, girl. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. What do you expect? Shame on you, Kelsey, for leaving that vintage bottle out for grabs. I now, can't no, see no, these ladies. No, that, that part are I agree. I can't see these ladies that are crying over Peter not giving them time. You got to make your own time. No, I agree. Exactly. Be aggressive. Be aggressive about it. Put your foot forward, and that's that. It's that Speaking Mamba mentality. Big shout out this week to Victoria F. Yes, I, that's exactly the direction I was gonna go. Killed it. That's exactly the direction I was going. Show. I was going to go, and she absolutely killed it. And for someone who had talked about it, she was you know not confident in her own image, her body, all of that. She put on a show. What's so funny? I was just laughing that we're talking about this right now. It's actually ridiculous sometimes. No, it's wonderful. It's so funny. Oh, this is this it's is wonderful. Great. And no, Victoria F was my deep sleeper uh, last episode. She's proving herself well right now. I just want to pat myself she's gonna on go, the she's back. She's going to go far. She's going far. She's going to go far. If she can stop crying every episode, she, yeah. she'll make it a little but far. But she's, she's, she's a nut. And Peter likes her. Yeah. Yeah, without without question. Um, I want to talk about something that was going around, and I want to get your gauge on what you all think. Um, so the rumor going on right now around the uh, Bachelor community is that at the end of the season – the big shock that was at the end of the episode for when Chris tells P- 
Peter, that they just found something out. They're trying to figure out what it was. The rumor going around is that good old Pistol Pete knocked up one of the ladies. And that one <laughs> and that one of the ladies was sent home, just found out she got knocked up by Pete. Pete brings her back and she wins. No fucking way. If Pete That's knocks one of the rumors. one of these women. Oh my god. So you're saying this might end in a shotgun wedding? That is what the rumor is right now. How often are these rumors true? I've never watched before. Um, about 50-50. People definitely speculate all the time. It's about 50-50. Also, are you one of those people who's going to watch all the rumors and all like the, the sneak peeks and stuff like that and no. just find out what happens? No. I hate that. When you watch a show and everyone's like, oh, I looked at the rumor report. Looks like this is going to happen this week. No, not at all. You can read up shit about the show, but if you're going to yeah, actually take your time and figure out well, how if, that specific episode goes, you're a fucking no life. Well, if you really want to, if you really want to, there are people that go on the internet and there is one site, I won't mention the name of the site, but I do know it, where you can look up who wins. The winner's out there. Oh, I hate that shit. Dude. Oh, the winner, yeah, it is, right? The winner's out there. Yeah, if you well, really want... If, if you Yeah, yeah. If, you really, if you really want to go see who wins, you can look it up. You know, it, it's out there, but... That's no fun. That's no fun. Yeah. I watch a television show. Exactly. I mean, look, if all your ladies are out and the ones that you, you know, really were into, they get eliminated, whatever, and you're just like, you don't care anymore, then okay, you go go look and you see who wins, whatever. How does that work for fantasy then? Well, it's basically an honor system that you're not going to look. Give me a fucking break. Good old honor. Yeah, but but no one. Oh, so help me God, I'm getting a perfect bracket. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look because you, you, you'll love the show, and you're gonna have to watch the show. You're gonna have to watch the show. What, what good is it watching yeah, the show if that, you know what's gonna happen? That takes away the fun in it. Exactly. It, it just takes away the fun in it. I think we covered everything that I wanted to cover. Oh, and next week, next week's episode, there's a pool party going down. Die. I'm very, very excited for Keep that. In your pants. Very, very excited. Because <laughs> there are, there are. Lots of women that are going to be on the prowl, but there is no cocktail party after the pool party. It's going to be pool party, then straight to rose ceremony, which I'm very excited about. Because that's when we're going to see some real drama unfold. Beautiful. I it's, cannot wait to watch it live this week now that there's no more college football agreed, game. Agreed. We're going to see it in the flesh. We're going to get all the commercials. We're going to have time to just take everything oh, in. Commercials? Fuck. Yeah, fuck commercials. Hey, it's a perfect time to go refill your beverage. True, and go and go uh, relieve yourself of any bodily functions that need to happen. God. It's true. No, it's true. It's with, isn't that what all commercials are for? Yes. That's why red zone sometimes is very inconvenient. Yeah, because you really got to pick good time to go relieve yourself. You got half time. That's true. That's kind true. Of. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, but you have the, like the two or three games that end earlier than the rest, and then when you think you have time to go to the bathroom. You really can't. If like if like more than half of them are in halftime, that's where you say fuck it, bite the bullet, just do the dash up to the John. Bingo, and then you come and then you come back and you uh, and you better hope you didn't miss anything. And then when you come back, you hear oh, so and so has had a ninety-seven yard touchdown, and you say to yourself fuck, I missed it. I know the feeling. We all do. We all do. Okay, so let's talk about this uh, college football playoff. Of course, LSU, big winners, forty-two to twenty-five. Over Clemson, Joe Burrow is fucking ridiculous. He is very, very good. President Trump calling him the next Tom Brady. I don't know if I am going to get on board with that take, 
but we'll see, I guess. Oof. Joe Burrow looked good. I, I don't even know if it was Joe Burrow looking really good or lo- Trevor Lawrence looking really bad. Uh, but there is a clear discrepancy, I think, between Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, and it's not really close for me. I wouldn't even compare the the two quarterbacks. I think it was just LSU was the better team. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. I think so too. LSU was an all-around better team. And as, as the one who picked Clemson, the one out of all of us, I just want to point out that, yeah, this game did end a little ugly. It was a 17-point game end of it. But don't forget, this was a three-point game halfway through the third quarter, even beyond that. And it was one hell of a game for most of the time. I mean, you can talk about the final score all you want, but the point is that these Clemson boys did come out and put up a big fight against possibly one of the best college football teams ever, a lot of people are saying. And there's a lot of returning talent next year. And I just want to say, don't sleep on them next year because... Oh, they're my early, no, they're they're my got, early pick they, already. They got Clemson's got to be the favorite, yeah. Because uh, Etienne's be. coming back, and other than that... Well, Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Trevor so. Lawrence, obviously, yeah. But. Yeah, and good for, good for Travis Etienne, too, for deciding to go back because now he's going to be in a draft class next year that is not having Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins in it. No, so you could very easily make him, make him one of the top two running backs in the class where if he entered this year, he's probably the third best running back in the class and probably is like a an early second-round pick. I was thinking with him, though, is this going to be – is there a possibility of this turning into a Leonard Fournette situation? Because didn't he come back for a senior year and get hurt and had to redshirt and then do another senior year? Or was he – a redshirt before his senior year. I think it was a redshirt before his senior yeah, I year. I think it was before. He missed a season yeah. of injury. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, he gets hurt every year. That's true. Well, not this year. True. Big year for him in fantasy. Well, yeah. Big year because Tom Coughlin took away his uh, his signing bonus, so he had so he had a point to prove. But now that uh, now that, that bad bad man Tom Coughlin is gone from Jacksonville, it's true. He's a bad man. It's he's a, two a bad time man. Winning Super Bowl coach right there. Yes, who also notably hates NFL players because clearly the NFL Players Association had a great time in reading all the complaints from players about what the Jacksonville Jaguars do in, uh, in a- appealing uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Taking away players' rights. Well, they also just made OTAs not optional. They just – you have yeah. to show up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you have to show up five minutes early. And you yep. show up five minutes Fuck early. everything about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're a bunch of bums. Uh, Shad Khan's a great guy, though. I think he owns a soccer team. Fulham. Fulham, Fulham yeah. Fulham. Oh, no, fuck him. He's a trash bag. <laughs> well, and the, and the Sun owns a uh, owns a wrestling company, too. Really? It's a rival WWE, yeah. Oh, a rival, yeah. Sure. No. Sure, that's it's, going it's, well. No, it's big time. They have, t- they have a TV deal and everything. AEW. Oh, I've you, I've heard of that. This song was AEW. Yeah, they just started. Yeah. They just started, right? Yep, they just started. And they're on T. They're on TNT. No free advertising. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good. And it's pretty good. Well, considering now that uh, from what I have heard from people who are very invested in WWE products, still uh, that it is just absolute trash. What's that? WWE. WWE. Yeah, it's absolute trash now. Really? Hey, yeah. they got a great world headquarters. Oh, yeah, we just saw that this weekend. Yeah, it looked very nice. I don't, big, I don't even think it's their... Uh, I think they're moving, though. They are. They're, yeah. they're, get, they're about to head out of there. Wow, yeah. where? You uh, know? I know right now they're at the Titan Tower in Stamford, Connecticut, but I don't know where they're going. I don't know where they're going. My guess is L.A. I mean... 
I don't know if LA is a, a wrestling. <laughs> I could see like town. fucking like North Dakota or some is just bullshit. Stanford, like, Connecticut, a wrestling town. That's true. Oh, it, they're they're going to a new location in Stanford. Oh, okay. Oh. So they're just mo- they're just moving buildings. Okay. Um, and and Chris Jericho is in AEW too. We love Chris Jericho from from way back in the day. Really, the, the walls of Jericho. Oh my God, great move. The man, the man Y two J, who also is in a band, which is which is very very good. But for, no for free what advertising. Worth. Yeah, but no free advertising exactly. Um, but how the hell the hell did we talk about? AEW and Chris no Jericho. I have oh, no Shad idea Khan. how we got there. Shad Khan. Oh, yes, Khan. yes. Okay, but how do we get how do we get the Shad Khan? So we're talking. Oh, because we were talking about Leonard Fournette. No, he said everything about the Jaguars sucks. Yeah. No, we yeah, Jaguar. but then because then we started talking about oh, Leonard okay. Fournette. You mentioned Trevor Etienne pulling a Leonard Fournette and wanting to redshirt, and then yeah, I said okay. fuck everything about the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it was a combined effort for this people, just wonderful off. People topic. listening to this definitely just turned it off. Um, but. I want to talk about, for one second, I want to talk about Clemson because I was on my uh, radio show last night. Let's talk with John Richard every Thursday between seven, 8 and 10 p.m. on the East, 7, 9 Central Standard Time. And made a good point about it last night when talking about Clemson assistant coaches and why they don't get looks for other top jobs like LSU assistants do. Joe Brady, now, of course, the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. Dave Aranda, now the Baylor head coach. Uh, All the Nick Saban assistants, we can go down the list. Ohio State guys that get top jobs. And we don't hear anything about Dabo Sweeney potentially going to the NFL, any Clemson assistants getting top jobs. And I just wanted to get the gauge of the room about why that is. And my first guess was that it's just Clemson comes from the ACC and the ACC just gets overlooked as one of the weaker conferences, and Clemson doesn't prove anything on a 12-game basis when they play their conference schedule that they're playing lower teams until another team within the ACC challenges Clemson for anything. Clemson just run away with the conference every single year. I think they're almost guaranteed to go 12-0 every year. I believe so, too. I, I really do. I mean, yeah. I mean, the way Clemson's schedule is set up, like you said, too, it's Clemson's designed to be a showcase of what a college football coach really is, where you have your 12 games against conference, like your conference games, and those are the games that they're stomping all over these people because it's an easy schedule. But they win the games because they have more talent, and that's exactly what a college football coach does is they acquire talent. They, don't, they do coach, obviously. I don't want to say they don't coach, but I always feel with college coaches there's a lot more talent and a lot more um, invested in the recruitment of your players rather than the training and the coaching of your players. And Dabo Sweeney is definitely showing that the way that Clemson football plays every year. I mean, they don't have a chance to prove that he can win these games by outsmarting a more talented team that often. They only get two chances a year. If he was doing that all season long in the SEC, like these coaches who do get these contracts from the NFL do, I think he'd have a much better chance. But my my overall question, and I agree with everything you just said, but... Why is it that you have a guy like Lincoln Riley who is on a Big 12 Oklahoma team that year after year after year has one of the lowest ranked defenses in the country and he's getting linked with top NFL jobs versus a guy like Dabo Sweeney who consistently is bringing Clemson to the college football playoff every single year and 
you haven't heard a whisper about it. That, that's just one of the big questions that I have, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I think for a guy like Davo Sweeney, he's just comfortable where he is. I don't think fair. His personal, very fair. I think. I mean, I'm not. I'm not Davo Sweeney. I don't know what he's thinking, but I feel like he just doesn't think he can get a better job anywhere else. That, that's one very of the fair. Top college football teams in the country, and like we've seen with uh, Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban, like they don't want to leave because they have such good. They have such a good uh, deal at their college football school that why would they even want to bother coaching and going to the NFL? Like you get to pick your own players. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you have you had Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, all linked to the Cowboys job. And I would say that if you put Dabo Sweeney in that conversation, he'd have a better chance at that job than any of the other names that I just said, because he's probably a better coach than all of the names I just said too. I guess it just comes down to like he just doesn't want to. I would say, and so. that, that's, and that's it. it that's it. If all it is that Davo Sweeney doesn't want to leave Clemson, yeah. that he's good where he is, then fine. This conversation was just a waste of our time. No. So as far as the assistant coaches, how we don't see them get any talk in the media ever. I think it has to do with Clemson is so good every year and so consistent that, like, when you look at somebody like Joe Brady who goes to LSU, they turn into one of the best offenses like ever. Yeah. Because he got there. You a guy like Lincoln Riley, like he got to Oklahoma, they became one of the best offenses in in the country. I feel like mm-hmm. since you can't just look at one guy on the coaching staff and be like, Oh, that offense improved drastically since that guy got there, so you're not gonna give him the credit. That's fair. Another thing too is the way that Saban and uh Davo go against each other in the national championship, which seems like every other year at this point. I I definitely feel like there's a bit of a, a chasing Saban going on with uh Davo. And when you're chasing someone, you learn from their mistakes. And I feel like he's definitely seen what happened with Saban in the NFL. And I almost wonder if, because he's so focused on catching up to Saban, he's not going to make the same mistakes as him. He's not going to go to the NFL and ruin his time of passing him. That's fair. And I mean, with Saban, though, Saban, there are only two coaches that I can think of off the top of my head. It's Saban and Belichick. Those are the only two coaches that I know that actually have their assistants do more than just coach in their respective areas. All of their assistants have to be well-rounded in every aspect of the game. They have to be experts in player personnel, player evaluating, figuring out, okay, looking at wide receivers, looking at running backs, looking at tight ends, looking at defensive ends, figuring out what they do well, what they don't do well, the things that they do well, how can they be great and help their football team where they are figuring out those great pieces that those players have. With Saban and Belichick, those assistants are getting – Everything. And that's where someone like Joe Judge is fantastic on that level because he knows everything about player evaluations, personnel decisions, things like that, because he's done it under Saban and Belichick. Maybe with Dabo, it's more of that he just runs the show. He's the guy, his assistants, they do what they have to do, and that's that. And you let Dabo handle everything else, which is fine. I mean, everyone is allowed to run their ship the way that they want to run it. But, I mean, for me, every assistant has to be well-versed in something, and it's very clear that Saban and Belichick want their assistants to be well-versed in absolutely everything, not just an offensive coordinator being good at just offense or a defensive coordinator being good at just defense. They have to be well-rounded in every single area as assistants to at least qualify to be on their staff. Uh, I want to talk about the Odell situation. Let me just explain to everyone in case they haven't heard it, and then I'll give you the opportunity. So he was um, 
causing a ruckus. I think we can call it that. Uh, he was fucking with the marching band, taking their megaphone and not giving it back. Nick! Petulant child. Um, he was handing the LSU players cash, which is a clear violation of the NCAA, but fuck the NCAA. So who gives a fuck? Um, and then he decided to go smack a on-the-job police officer's ass in the middle of the locker room. Um... There's something fucking wrong with him. Would, yeah. would, would you would you like to add, Mr. Producer? First, I'm going to say that most likely he was under the influence of a lot, a lot, a lot of alcoholic beverages, first off. I would say that is a very safe assumption. After the game was just throwing bills at all these players. We also have the video of him with a Chase, I think it was. Yeah, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is literally counting hundreds into his hands and shaking him up and was like, I told you, bro, and all this shit. That is just ridiculous. All you right. know the cameras are fucking on you. I wonder what the context was behind that. He probably made like some Why stupid bet with him. Probably. What is even the bet there? It, it was just everything stupid he could have done, he'd find a way to do it. Like he, he broke <laughs> no. so many rules in one night. This is the yeah. one thing I will I will side with him on. The marching band situation. For all the people who don't know what he was screaming into the megaphone was the LSU fight song named Neck. So for everyone who anyone who does not know the lyrics of Neck, the chorus of the song is suck that tiger dick bitch. LSU has been basically banned from playing this song. They have Odell has said to the band in previous games that he will pay off their fine for playing this song. This song is the rally cry of LSU. It's like Dixieland delight for Bama. Mm -hmm. So I got zero problem with that. You can Curse all you want in songs. I'm an avid soccer fan. I'm used to hearing fuck all this nonsense from our fans and with chants and songs. I condone it. I fucking love it. But do you con- do you condone Odell going up to a police officer and smacking his ass? No, he's a fucking idiot for that. No one. Okay. okay. Respect the rules. Just like looking back at it, like if you look at his individual offenses, like he managed to in a celebration. We're going to call it stolen property on that megaphone because he just did not have permission. He just took that thing. He caused an NCAA scandal, potentially, by paying players in a locker room, saying, I told you, referencing bets they made, yada, yada, yada. That's a whole problem in its own. Yeah. Yeah. he He assaulted a police officer. And look, none of this stuff is that serious. Like, none of it individually is that serious. But the, the almost tirade this guy went on, this PR tirade to just destroy any good public image he has right now. Like, he's, he's already had a problem with this shit. He's, had, he's done stupid shit in the past. And I, I just don't get what goes through his brain because I, but why, did he, why did he do anything he did? Like, if you look back at it, like, what made him think any of that was going to Well, happen? it's very clear that Odell is just on a very different level than the rest of us in terms of being a civilized, decent human being. And not to mention, it's a terrible look for LSU as well. That they terrible. let they they let a um, – I'll, 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 I'll let this on the mild side. I'll say a, uh, a man who clearly was under the influence of some foreign substance near their players in their locker room – 
regardless of being an alum and former player, whatever, it's a, it's a terrible look for the university because it's an image of them. It's a representation of the university that they let this guy just basically steal the show from the players. That's what he did. I have a question. Do you think that is a worse look than Ohio State alums Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas partying with LSU players after the game, regardless if their former teammate was Joe Burrow? Well, that was stupid. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. If I was a hardcore fan of Ohio State, I would be fuming. Ed, what do you no. think about that? No, I don't think it's a terrible no, no look. Problem. No, no, I don't think it's a terrible look at all. I don't think it's I'm terrible. Just, They're not affiliated with the game. If if it were Ohio State playing LSU and Ohio State lost, then yes. Then it's a terrible look. But as far as I'm concerned, they were there as just neutrals. They were watching a football game. Joe Burrow was their teammate. And they're going out and partying with uh, with their former team after he won a national championship. So I don't have a problem with it. I was just so confused seeing Ezekiel Elliott in one of those videos. Just wondering what he was doing. Which I, I guess I didn't even realize well, he was teammates with Joe Burrow. I guess I forgot about that point. Like that makes sense why he's there, I guess. We have many questions that pertains to what the fuck Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott does ninety percent of the time, <laughs> to be quite fair. Um but as far as Odell, I mean I don't know. You guys said it all already. Like what are you doing? Like he's acting like he won. Yes. Is like yes. He's that's exactly right. He's celebrating more than the than the players of the team that actually won the game did. So I mean, it's just what I don't know. It's just who he is, I guess. I love when that point. quote came out. I think uh, Joe Burrow related to the media about someone asked, "Did any of the old LSU receivers had any? How did they had anything to say to you about oh, how yeah. you're doing and like yada yada yada?" And he goes, "Quote." There have been some past receivers who have said, man, I wish it was me and you together. We really would have done some crazy shit. I wonder which former <laughs> LSU receiver got in Joe Burrow's ear and said, man, I wish you were there when I was there because you would have made me look so much better and turned it all into him. I wish, I I really wonder which one it was. Um, uh, could was, it, it was, it the sa- was it the same guy that slapped a police officer's ass? I, I think it could have been that guy, but I'm not sure. The same guy that now is playing with a quarterback who the new head coach called an accurate passer? Was it that guy? That guy. Oh, that that guy. guy. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. Any um, any last takeaways you want to talk about uh, before Uh, um, we move on? Yeah, I got a question. Shoot. Um, What looked better, the Chiefs offense on Sunday night or the LSU offense throughout this college football playoff? LSU. LSU. Yeah, I think LSU. But only because it's college, you know. Like, I mean, I, not that... I don't know, man. The Chiefs scored seven drives in a row. Joe Burrow put up 60 points, uh, 100 points, I'm sorry, between two college football playoff games. All right. Which is, like, ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I, all I know is the Cincinnati Bengals, if they, if they keep that number one pick, which they should, unless they're getting a haul from somebody, the, the Bengals could be a team worth talking about, at least offensively, next season. Because Zach Taylor is finally going to get his guy. That's not certain at all yet, too. You see that new thing that came With out With Zach today? Taylor today? Well, I was talking about the, the picking Joe Burrow uh, one overall. Yeah. They're, they've completely said, like, not that they're not committed. They're weighing their options. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, that's, that's, what the, that's what they're supposed talk. to say. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they're supposed to say. I know, but imagine they don't draft him. Ed and I were talking yeah, about not, this before. Happening. Imagine they're the right. Dolphins trade up for one. And take him. It's possible. 
Three, fir- three first-round picks this year. Trade up from five to number one. That offense plus a running back. I think we'll see some That'd uh, be beautiful. Some movement in the earlier stage of the draft this year, especially because of the way some teams that need to move up in the draft didn't help themselves out by losing games into the season. I think some teams are going to have to turn that around and turn that into trading up in the draft or something like that. Well, let's, let's say now that the Dolphins don't trade up, and let's say that the Bengals do take Joe Burrow, number one. Then you have the Redskins that'll probably take Chase Young, number two. And then number three, you have the Lions. And number four, you have the Giants. Those are prime spots for teams that need a quarterback to trade up. If they want Herbert, they want Tua, they want Fromm, whomever, whomever it may be. The Lions might need a quarterback now. The Lions may need a quarterback. Who the fuck knows? They're definitely drafting. They're definitely drafting Jake Fromm. The Lions? Yes, please. Yes, please. You want to see him rot? Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to see him rot, but he's playing with. He'd be playing with a very great running back, so I'm all for it. And a couple of being wide receivers, and also for honestly, probably the worst franchise in the NFL. Jake Fromm is well versed in dumping it off to the running back 25 times a game. He is well versed in that. So him going to Detroit and doing that for the next 15 years, I'm all for it. Jake Fromm is not going in the first round. Yeah, he is he's going not, in the first round. He's I, not going in the. I make round. a bet with you. We'll decide that bet on another day. I, th- I will make that bet that he's going. In the, he's, that he's going in the first round. As long as you guys make this bet in Jersey. Mm. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course, yeah. Um, we we will we will drive over the George Washington Bridge, get out on the other side, make sure our feet are touching the soil in the most disgusting state in the Union, New Jersey. Not that we have anything against New Jersey. Love New Jersey. Great people. All love to fans in New Jersey. Great people. Shout out to Bada Bing. Shout out to the Bada Bing. Yes, but Brett and I will make sure that our feet are touching the soil of New Jersey, all the recycling plants and garbage facilities, and breathing in that air while we shake on that bet before we make it. Or in Las Vegas, or in Costa Rica, or in Puerto Rico, or anywhere just making sure that where gambling is legal. Is it Indiana? Did we declare uh, betting in Indiana is legal? We're just going to say it is. I'm pretty sure it is. It is? Okay. Yeah, all right, we'll, sure. we'll say Let's it is. It. Yeah. It's, it's the Midwest. It's like it's either there or Illinois or Iowa. One of them is legal. So. Or we just go to like the Canadian border, just step step into Canada and, and make a bet. I'm sure I'm sure sports uh, betting is legal in Canada. Everything is legal in Canada. It's a fair take. Uh, any, any other points that we want to make? Beautiful. Um, no, oh, I don't think so. Beautiful. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Luke Keekley really quick, uh, retiring at age 29. Uh, my first reaction was, wow, fuck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, fuck. All I have to say, man, good for him. Good for him. If he if he said that he was done, if he was uh, truly as, as yeah. fucked up as it seemed like that he was from injuries and whatnot, um... Good for him. Does Good for anyone, him to decide, decide to hang it up. Does anyone have an injury report on Luke Keekley? Well, he's I had multiple neck injuries. Yeah, yes, yeah, I he has. That, honestly. And a couple concussions. But yeah, I would say more than a couple. I think yeah. any uh, reoccurring injury from the neck up is is, is an automatic red flag. Honestly, I agree. And say any reoccurring injury is an automatic excuse to just retire. I mean, the NFL, you make as much money as you want, fine, but... You know, this is the rest of your life you're looking at. And there's yeah. a lot of factors towards NFL play that can affect you very long term. I mean, if you get on your rookie contract, especially for these guys, these notable people who have retired early in like the recent couple decades, I think it was probably the last decade or two is where most of these guys are from, who are retiring before they're 30. But 
you have a couple million dollars in the bank and you still have your head in one piece and you, you're not destroyed from concussions, you can easily invest that money and turn that into a career after the NFL. And I think that this is going to be the smart, more common move coming in the future of the NFL. I don't think players are going to be playing until they're 35 to 40 years old like no. some of these psychopaths still are. I think the age of that's long gone. I mean, as long as as long as these guys are healthy, then they can. But you look at guys like Luke Kuechly, you look at guys like now, hell, you're looking at a guy like Leighton Vanderush, who's now having his second neck surgery in a matter of years, and now even I'm saying, for a, for a Cowboys perspective, fuck. That's never a good look. When the guy's 23, 24 years old, and he's having his second neck surgery in a matter of years, and this is only his second year in the league. So that's a, a terrible look. You look at guys like David Wilson, who had head and neck injuries. That's why he was forced to retire. Uh, sorry to bring that one up, uh, Matt. I, I do sincerely apologize. Um, but it's health first with these guys. And if they, it makes no sense to end up for the rest of your life where you could potentially be in a wheelchair, not able to walk, just for the sake of playing football when you're healthy, you can exit the game on a high – High, quotation marks, but exit the game where you're on top and feel like there's some dignity that you have left and you could say, you know what, I've given it my all, I've made my money, I've done what I needed to do, I'm good, I'm done. And and respect to, to Luke Keekley for uh, for making that call. Uh, Luke Keekley fun fact, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, Luke Keekley didn't have cable for the first four yes, years. Yes, I heard about this. He was in the NFL. The reason why? Studying film. Didn't want to be distracted from studying film. He's a true, I mean, he's a student. He's a football guy. He's a football guy. He's a student of the game. He's a football guy. He clearly loved the NFL. And I think that fact alone, I think it should really tell you about how tough this decision was for him. It wasn't something that he was like, I'm done. It's just something he thought about. And I think everyone should respect his decision. So I'm going to make a quick producer's recommendation for something very similar to the Luke Keekley scenario with injury concern and being very, I want to say, cautious about your overall well-being. Cautious, yeah. If you want to find out the true colors of what these NFL players really have to go through with their injuries, watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Oh, We mm. watched, us three, me, Brett, and Tim watched it yesterday, and I could say... That man was fucked from just taking hit after hit after hit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was a really sad documentary. Beautiful documentary. That was uh, I, I thought it was absolutely really incredible. Really well done. Um, How they just had literally everything about the guy from his criminal record to just his overall well-being just from playing the game. It's well, uh, it's sad. The one thing I didn't agree with was like the whole... I don't think the, the documentary really pushed it, but during his case it was definitely pushed the whole... He only did this because he has CTE. I'm not going to buy into that. I don't think that's an excuse to kill someone. Definitely not. But the aftermath of it, the suicide, the other NFL players who have dealt with this kind of stuff, you can see that these guys are getting scared of what their future holds. And Yeah, of course. It's, it's going to start becoming more common. Well, I think the whole Aaron Hernandez story is a bit more um, involved than just CTE or a guy taking... Too many hits, um, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day because you could spend a whole podcast talking about it and trying to figure out you know, who he was, what he was, who he wasn't. Um, but in that respect, 
Hernandez was just caught in the wrong crowd. He did. He made stupid mistakes going back to his time in Florida, and he came in as a bad apple and was a bad apple in New England. But they just did a great job of masking it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the complete opposite with Luke Keekley. This is a guy who came in, high character guy, stand up guy, was a leader at Boston College as a linebacker. Came into Carolina, set the tone right away, and continued to do that throughout his career. I mean, there was just not one bad story, one bad word that has ever been said about Luke Keekley. To be quite frank. And uh, he's earned his respect. He's earned his dignity to walk out of the NFL on a high. And I say happy retirement to uh, to Luke Keekley. Happy retirement, Luke. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You've earned it. He's most certainly earned it. I got a question. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Probably. Uh, I think he'll eventually get in. He's the kind of guy that the Hall of Fame voters are going to love, and they're just not even going to think about it when they have to put him in the Hall of Fame without a Super Bowl. I agree. Other guys who are out there, like, they're going to be pulling at teeth with Eli Manning and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, not that he doesn't deserve to be in, I'm just saying. It's gonna be Luke Keekley may end up being a first ballot Hall of Famer. But given when, that- you, when you put the combination of what he did on the field, high character guy, how respected he was by his peers... And, of course, respected by the media, too, because these are the ones that are making this decision. Uh, it, it it will go a long way for him in terms of potentially being a first ballot Hall of Famer. So let's get into some conference championship preview, gentlemen. Um, of course, the two games this weekend, Titans and the Chiefs and the Packers and the 49ers. Uh, we'll start with the Titans at our head against the Chiefs. Of course, the Titans are in the spot after two miracle wins against the Patriots and the number one seed, Baltimore Ravens. All this is despite Ryan Tannehill having less than 200 yards passing in both games combined, which is remarkable. Unreal. Derrick Henry, we could talk about him all day long. He's been the star. Two 200-plus yards from scrimmage outings for him. Um, I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say about the Titans at this point. I think that they are just not afraid of anybody. They are going into this game. They are playing with house money, and they're going to take chances, and they're going to try and win this game. I expect the Titans to be very aggressive. I expect them to not sit back because the second they do start sitting back is when they are probably going to draw dead against the Kansas City Chiefs. They have to start aggressive. They have to score early and put pressure on Kansas City to try and get the rhythm to be thrown off with the Chiefs a little bit. But as we saw last week against the the, uh, the Texans uh, the, for the Chiefs, I mean, there there might be there may not be anything that could throw this, this Kansas City Chiefs off. There, there may not be. Yeah, I think you got to watch out for the coin toss in this game. The coin toss. So what, what, are you gonna, uh, what are we calling? Oh, what are we what, calling here for the oh, degenerate oh, gamblers that are living in New Jersey, in Indiana, and Las Vegas? And Puerto Rico and Costa Rica that are legally allowed to place bets. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm a big heads guy. I'm uh, always heads. Yeah, I always I'm, I'm heads. a big I'm no. a big heads guy. I I don't know if any of our listeners out there know about the New England Patriots superstition. So, one of their players' fathers was diagnosed with cancer. Whatever. Long story short, um, he was t- he told the Patriots to always pick heads, and if you look at if you do your research, they always pick heads, and they always fucking win. Well, that's the Patriots. I'm sure that works for them. Personally, I'm a Tails guy. Hey, you know, the good old saying, Tails, tails never, never fails. fails. You, you yeah. just do it based off of a rhymey-wimey. <laughs> it's a 50-50 shot. If there's going to be something that gives you faith, it's going to be a fucking rhyme. It's a 50-50 shot. Like, yeah. All right, well, back to my point. 
It wasn't just to say watch out for the coin toss. I think I mean I think it's going to be a key to this game whoever wins it to be honest because I I think whoever wins it is going to get the ball first and I think that's going to be huge for the Titans if they score right away and it'll be even even better for the Chiefs if they score right away because we haven't seen the Titans behind all postseason you don't know how they're going to be it's you true know how they're going to it's very true uh, uh, they've been uh, behind all postseason I don't think so unless New England was up seven nothing on them early no I don't think well, they I don't think they've trailed yeah, all po- all postseason so no. it's and I think. If the Titans get up early and the Chiefs don't score right away, I know we saw the Texans go up twenty-four nothing, but the Titans are a different team. They, they want to have a lead early. They want to ride le baby as le much baby. as they get le baby. So I think that's really going to be key because whoever can get out to the lead first, which could happen on the first drive based off of the coin toss, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I think the lead in this game is absolutely huge because if the Titans do go down by fourteen, maybe seventeen points. It's going to spell doom for them because it's going to force Ryan Tannehill to really start throwing the ball. And it's very clear that the Titans, they don't want to do that. They don't want to have Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball. They're better off with Derrick Henry running in between the tackles, just running in a straight line, and getting his yards the old-fashioned way, just in the trenches football. And if they can have that be their primary source of offense throughout the game— then they have a shot. But the second they start trailing by double-digit points and they're forcing themselves where they have to throw the ball because of them being in a negative game script, that that's when the Titans could be truly, truly screwed. And I just don't see, if the Titans are going to win this game, I don't think it's going to be a comeback at all. I think if the Titans are going to win this game, it's because they're up early, they stay up, and they win. And that's really the story with the Titans. I mean, as for the Chiefs, I mean, what is there to really say? About the Chiefs, I mean, they beat the Texans last weekend at home after being down 21 nothing. Patrick Mahomes set an NFL playoff record for TDs in a quarter with four, and Travis Kelsey hit three of them. I mean, look, if, if the Kansas City Chiefs are going to lose this game and the Titans are going to win, it is going to be because the Tennessee Titans do their damnest to try and defend Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. It's probably going to recover two sets of double teams, so... I think what the Titans are going to bet on is they are going to bet that Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, try and take them out of the game as best they possibly can and have somebody like Aldrick Robinson, Cole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, or even one of the running backs, Damian Williams, uh, Dar- Darwin Thompson. I won't even put LaShawn McCoy in this category because he's done nothing. Yeah, all po- where did he go? I have no idea. It's funny you say that because I remember them wrestling him purposely in the middle of for the, the season. Playoffs. For the playoffs. Yeah, and, and he just hasn't. He hasn't done anything. Uh, so it's probably going to be one of those guys that will probably have to beat the Titans for the Chiefs if the Titans are uh, going to lose this game. But, I mean, honestly, uh, the Texans, they did a admirable job of covering Travis Kelsey last weekend for a quarter and a half. And then the Travis Kelsey show just completely took off. He's a fucking beast. He's he's, he's uh, who's beast. better, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. I'm taking George Kittle. I'm, I'm taking, taking Travis George Kelsey. Kelsey. George Kittle. Mm. I'm taking Travis Kelsey. Pleasure. Pleasure. I think I think they're one A one B. I wouldn't oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say there's a huge gap in between the two. They're in their own class of their own. George Kittle's hair sucks. Just, oh, it's uh, so gross. Great Joker yeah. tattoo on his forearm though. It's pretty cool. I saw that. Yeah. All right, so, Ed, you mentioned uh, Tyree Kill, stopping Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Chiefs and the Titans played in Week 10 this year where yes. Tyree Kill had 11 receptions for 157 yards at a touchdown. What I recall watching that game was Mahomes just feeding Tyree Kill as much as he could. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if the Titans will switch up how they covered him 
I would well, assume the so. same way since they did win the game. So that's going to be interesting. And Travis Kelsey had seven receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown as well in that game. And the next highest person as far as receptions and yards was Sammy Watkins with five for 39. And Nicole Hartman wonderful. did have one catch for 63 yards on that Mahomes jump throw pass. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like, basically getting sacked, and he jumped mm-hmm. up in the air and threw it to Mikko oh, Hartman on a rope. So, so I got a quick question for the defensive gurus in this room. Okay. Okay. So I've been thinking about this prior to this uh, podcast. Just what scheme is going to be best for the defense to contain both Kelsey and Tyreek Hill? Well, I, I think, first of all, it's, it's going to be have to be a routine just double team on both of them. It's probably going to be, if you're going to cover Tyreek Hill, it's probably going to be a corner with a safety over the top. And as for Travis Kelsey, your best bet is probably going to be another, uh, probably another corner with the other safety over the top, which leaves a corner on the other corner on Watkins – and unfortunately now, you're stuck with having to put a linebacker on someone like Aldrick Robinson or Nicole Hardman, which is a matchup, which is a mismatch right then and there. So I would say I believe they would do, with Hill, what everybody else does with the corner and the safety over the top. And I would say they would probably put the other safety on Travis Kelsey with a linebacker in the middle of the field or another safety in the middle of the field as a third safety on the field taking away the center. Poten- potentially they, they could, but I just think the, the linebacker on Kelsey, that's just that's such a mismatch. No, that? so I'm saying double safety on Kelsey. You're saying double safety, okay. Having, uh, having another corner, another defensive back on the field. Okay. I mean, they had that breakdown in the, the Chiefs-Texans game where they explained why it's impossible to cover the Chiefs. I mean, you play man, Tyreek yeah. Hill's faster than every cornerback in the league. True. And if you play zone, Travis Kelsey's open every single play. Right. So... I mean, there really is no right answer. To that. I would say your best bet is to play man against them, and hope your maybe your best player Kevin Byard can guard up Travis Kelsey enough. Yeah, I, I think that really is their best bet because I, I like like you said, Tim. I mean, I just don't think if, if the Titans want to play zone in this matchup, I think they're dead. I, I I truly think they're dead. Probably. But if you play man here, that's where Tyreek Hill can he takes you take one bad step. As a defender, and Tyreek Hill is gone, or he's in a one-on-one with your safety who has to come all the way across the field if he isn't over there already. So, I mean, there—I don't even think there is a right or a wrong no. in in defending the Chiefs at all. I just think that this is just this is an offense that's borderline unstoppable. The only the only thing here for me is the way that the Titans are going to potentially win this game is if they put enough constant pressure on Patrick Mahomes. That's the one thing that the Texans did not do enough of last week. The Chiefs' offensive line really held up well in terms of defending Patrick Mahomes, but I would say that the Titans' defensive line is a better all-around unit uh, than the Texans, even with J.J. Watt in the fold. So this will be a much bigger test for the Chiefs' offensive line. If If the Titans' defense can get to Patrick Mahomes, then maybe we have something to talk about potentially, but... I mean, the offensive line for the Chiefs has held up. It's been good. And, I mean, I, I for, for me, I think the Chiefs are too good here. And I for as badly as I want the Titans to win, um, I don't think they do. But if, if they do win this game and they run the gauntlet of Pats, Ravens, Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. All the respect in the world. All, all oh, the man. respect. All the respect. But I, I think that this is uh, – 
This is where the run ends. I have the Chiefs winning this one, 32-20. Yeah, I just don't think Ryan Tannehill gets it done. I definitely have the Chiefs winning this game. Yeah, I also want to point out Mahomes was 36 for 50 for 446 yards and three touchdowns in the game against Tennessee. 36 for 50. That's pretty ridiculous. That's now, ridiculous. I believe that was his first game back from his injury. I believe it was, too. I think that's right. So clearly, whatever they were doing that game was not working. Oh, what week is that? Week 10. Week 10. I believe that was the week he came back. Yeah. So I'm also going to take the Chiefs. They are my Super Bowl pick. Spoiler. Um, I think they're just they're on top of the mound right now. Just the way they won last week, they just feel like they're unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a very fair point, that, that just the Chiefs right now, they may be too good. But it's going to be interesting to see the Titans playing with truly house money. They have nothing to true. lose. Well, that's I the sh- scariest part about them. Yeah. yeah. It really is. But I think what helps the Chiefs is they if they do go down early in this game to Tennessee, they could fall back on, we've been, we literally just did this last week, we've been here before. We've been yeah. down in a playoff game, and we know what, what to do when we get right. in a situation. Right. Uh, Matt, who do you think? Uh, who do you think uh, wins this game? This game comes down to the baby, Derrick Henry, Le baby, and the Titans defense. Not to regurgitate anything we said before about having to contain the high flying offense of the Chiefs. I think if the Chiefs shut down the baby, Ryan Tannehill is a lost puppy. That's fair. So. The Chiefs have so little that can go wrong for them compared to so much that the Titans can have go wrong for them, and that's why I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I also I just want to mention the stats from the Titans' last game since I was mentioning all the Chiefs players last time they played. Ryan Dano went 13 for 19 for 181 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 23 carries for 188 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 8.2 yards per carry, as well as having a 69-yard touchdown run, if I recall. And the leading receiver, as far as receptions on the Titans, was Johnny Smith with four receptions for 30 yards. Lovely. Nobody else had more than three receptions. Lovely. A.J. Brown had one reception for 17 yards that day. Okay, so this is going to be a Derrick Henry game. They're going to live and die with Derrick Henry, essentially. Like they've been doing for the past... Month. Yeah. Two, three, four, five months. Forever. I'm almost sure everyone saw the video of uh, Derrick Henry during practice, I guess. It was like today or yesterday. Punching the helmet. Punching the shit out of that helmet. Oh, my God. That was great. 97 stiff arm in Madden 2020. Just going to put it out there. No free advertising. Absolutely not. So let's talk about the other... Championship game for the weekend, the Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. Aaron Rodgers is back in another NFC title game after defeating the Seattle Seahawks last week. Uh, But despite, it was a close game for the Packers, but I I thought they were in control for most of it, to be quite fair, if not for a Russell Wilson heroic showing in that second half. The Seahawks were really drawing dead. Uh, Devontae Adams went off last week, eight catches, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Thank you, Devontae, for proving me right. Um, I, I, I just think the, the, the formula for the Packers here, uh, if the Packers are going to win this game, it's going to be because Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are linking up. I just think that this is a tough sledding sort of game for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I don't think there's going to be much room in the trenches, so if the Packers are going to go ahead and win this game. I think it is going to be on the backs of number 12 and number 17. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers really needs to come out this year. My Aaron Rodgers, um, Kawhi Leonard reference. I almost feel like he left something in the tank for the playoffs. Maybe he's realizing his age is catching up to him. He's got a couple years left. I mean, this this game's gonna be a phenomenal matchup of two young coaches. Like we've been seeing the NFC turn out for a couple of years now. It's really their brand at this point. Um, I would love to see the Packers move on to this championship and. I mean, let's not sleep on the fact, I think I did call out the fact that the NFL wanted to set it up so that Drew Brees wins the Super Bowl this season, yada, 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 all these records. No, 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 no. I completely missed the real storyline. It's the Super Bowl one rematch. The 100th year of the NFL, Super Bowl one, Kansas City Chiefs, Green Bay Packers. That's what the NFL wants. The NFL gets what it wants. Roger Goodell has his hand in the pocket of these refs. And it will be the ra- the rematch that we all want. You know the saying, you learn take. something new every day. I did not know that that was Super Bowl one. Yeah, yeah man. I knew it was Super Bowl one. I just never put two and two together. That's a great conspiracy. I mean, so it's definitely going to happen. The NFL, that's a fix. That's, that's a, a fix. Lo- that's some Illuminati right there, Professional Tim. sports are rigged to some degree, and we all know it. Yep. Some degree, they're rigged. And if any league is going to bring anything, it's the NFL for their 100th season. Because that's yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. Brett, anything you will want to add about the Packers before um, we start talking about the 49ers? I know we mentioned uh, the Rodgers and Adams combo. I'm curious if Richard Sherman will travel with Devontae Adams in this game. I don't think so. I don't think he will either. I don't think so. He never seems to leave the one side of the field. And he, just, and he doesn't operate out of the slot either. He's not a slot True, guy. Devontae Adams is... Does line up in the slot from time to time. Yeah. Um, as far as the Packers, let's see. Oh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns under Mike Pettin back in, I think it was 2013 and 2014. And I think, I believe he's beaten Mike Pettin every single time they've played. Interesting. They've played twice. So he's 2-0. 2-0. That says something. I think uh, it's a Kyle Shanahan revenge game. I also wanted to mention uh, the battle of the quarterbacks here with Aaron Andrews. Who will hit on Aaron Andrews more, Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy G? Even though Aaron Rodgers does have a girlfriend. I was going to say Jimmy Garoppolo because I think Danica Patrick would absolutely kick the shit out of Aaron Rodgers if he tried to uh, put a move on. And she'd run over Aaron Andrews with her race car. That's true. Good point. Possible. Very true. We're taking Jimmy G here? Yeah, we're taking Jimmy G. Okay, fair. Uh, and one last point about the Packers, even though that last point was not about the Packers. Uh, Rodgers is 4-5 and five against the 49ers in his career. Mm. Which is weird because it should be a revenge game for him. It should he be. He's a California kid. He's a 49ers They passed up on him. Up. They passed up on him. But I guess it's not. I mean, there's other reasons that Aaron Rodgers should win this game. He shouldn't have to be relying <laughs> on a revenge game. But I wish we had that little uh, storyline going on. I do love a revenge game. We do love a revenge game. Now, as for the 49ers, they defeated the Vikings last week to get to this spot. Uh, for me, the key for the 49ers is if they're going to win, Jimmy Garoppolo has got to be better. 130 yards passing. He had fewer than that against the Minnesota Vikings. I understand Tevin Coleman had 100-plus yards of rushing. But, I mean, I, I look at this game and I say the Packers are more than likely going to be focused on stopping the run. And they're probably going to force Jimmy Garoppolo to show them what he's got, quite frankly. I think that the 49ers in this game are probably going to go as far as Jimmy Garoppolo takes them. And I I seriously do have questions about how good Jimmy Garoppolo can be in a big, big spot. And this is a huge spot because now 
you have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who has not been in this big moment, and you could say that he struggled last week, and that's fine. The moment was a huge moment for him, first career playoff game, I get it, but Aaron Rodgers has been in this big moment before. So it's not going to work this time if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come out and have less than 130 yards passing again because, quite frankly, the 49ers will lose the game if he does throw for less than 130 yards because I assume that Aaron Rodgers is going to be – this will be the Aaron Rodgers game that we've been waiting for all season. I could say that with some level of confidence, but I I just think that this is Aaron Rodgers' moment – to show to the world and give everyone who has doubted him and said, oh, Aaron Rodgers is done, Aaron Rodgers is washed up, he's finished, the big fat fuck you, stick his middle finger to all of America that hated on him, and have that be that. Um, I think as far as the 49ers offense, if they get the run game going, they will be unstoppable in this game. What is going on? Is there breaking news? Speaking of breaking news, yeah. right here, I just want to let you guys know the Mets are eyeing Dusty Baker. Nice. Oh. <laughs> nice. Cool. That's pretty cool. Dusty Baker. I mean, at least they're going to get an actual manager, given what just happened. I can get on board with that. They're going to get a... a like, same thing with uh, my uh, Jason Garrett take. A, a person with experience is better than no one. Uh, Bruce Bochy could have could have retired from the Giants, and now could be going to Houston with the Astros. So we'll oh, get fuck, fuck that. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. But um, to right. finish this, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got to be better. Just flat out. So what I, I was trying to say before, before the breaking news, uh, if the 49ers get the run game going, the Packers are in a whole lot of trouble. That could be said for both yep. teams, but I think specifically with yeah. the 49ers, the Packers will be in a shit ton of trouble if the 49ers get going. Because we saw last week how they had a possession where they ran the ball eight times in a row and they scored. Yep. The Packers will be fucked. Eight yes. times in a row? Yes, they did, they did not throw a pass on that drive. Yep. They ran eight plays, eight rushes, and they scored. Yeah. So let's get some uh, early predictions real quick out of so in the divisional round, everyone was saying Matt Breda or uh, General Mustard, Raheem Mostert, were going to be the guy in this I game. I said Tevin Coleman. Just want to point that out. Who, this is true. Who will lead the 49ers in rushing yards this game? Honestly, I have no clue. It's Tevin Coleman There's again. no point of uh, making a decision here or making a prediction because they just – whoever does well on the first – There is a point. Making a guess. I'm gonna say Tevin Coleman, but it could very easily be Mostert if he's healthy. It could be Jeff Wilson Jr. for all I know. It could be Jeff Wilson. Hell, it could be Kyle Yuschek. I mean, it's for whoever whoever does well on the first two drives. That's really that's how they do it. Yeah, it's true. It's it's whoever whichever guy is uh, has the hot hand or the hot legs in this case. Um, so let's give our predictions. Who who uh, how do we think this game is gonna go, gents? Packers. I'm taking the 49ers. I don't predict scores. I just said teams. I'm taking the Packers, 27-26. Wow. Uh, I'll take the 49ers. Jimmy okay. G all the way. See that 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 that's that's the thing. You're you're a big you're a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. Can you can you explain that uh, to me? Because I'm just like I, I've watched him. I, I think he's okay. I I, I just don't see anything. Wow about Jimmy Garoppolo. Have you see his face? Well, well, besides oh. these, besides these, very handsome. Yes. Let's, wow. Let's oh. get that man with Vanessa Hudgens and whoa. Oh, 
Jesus wow. Christ. Sign me up. Sign me that, up. That would, be, that would be Brett's nightmare. That kid's Jimmy winning Garoppolo 10 Super Bowls, and he's going to be a dime. I will leave my family. <laughs> I will join them. So... <laughs> Like, in, my God. In what role? <laughs> Any role. Any role. Boy. I'll be the damn dog. <laughs> Please sign me up. Be the chef. I'll do anything. Oh, my God. There's so many jokes. Uh... But please, please do do tell me. Besides the looks of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, what is there with him? Because I I just I, I don't get it. What makes people think that he's great? I don't think he's great. So I think he's he's borderline good. People can say all you want about how, like you said, he's good and whatever. Borderline good. This man shadowed the greatest fucking quarterback. What does that mean? What does that mean? Ryan Mallett shadowed shadow the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm a Jimmy G defender. I, I am like too. Well, oh, please, I'm yeah, I'm no. just, I'm waiting for something. I think he does he what his offense this. asks him to do. Fair. He may know the playbook. Would you, he would you consider no. Tom Brady this just flashy, like incredible player that everyone? He thinks. was in his heyday. He was. But Jimmy G wasn't around for his heyday. He Jimmy G this. was Jimmy G was around. For the very conservative, march down the field, efficient Tom Brady. And that's what Jimmy G has evolved to be. So are you saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback at doing the simple things? Or is he a great quarterback just all around? He's going to win multiple Super Bowls as a starter. Oh my god, no! I'm not going to say that, but... I think this week is going to be huge as far as great and good Jimmy G. Because if he does what he has to do, which is make clutch throws down the stretch... Of this game, that will which will propel his team to a Super Bowl. I think that will prove how good he'll be because if he can if he can do what he has to do under the Kyle Shanahan system and just make big throws when he has to, that's all he's going to need to do for his whole career. I I, th- I think my problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is more that he's a very good game manager that does not have to be great. He's in the mold of a Jared Goff. He's in the mold. He's in the mold even of, of a, I don't want to say the same thing, but a lesser extent of what Dak is. I think Dak is more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I also think that Dak does not have to be great because his offense around him is great. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to be great because his entire team around him is really, really good. So he can have a game like he had last week, throw for less than 130 passing yards, and still get away with being average if not borderline mediocre which still gets a job done and i agree with what you said brett 100 percent. this is more about jimmy garoppolo if jimmy garoppolo can be the guy to get them the win and he has let's say it's 250 and three touchdowns in this game then i'll come i'll come on here next episode and i'll say you know what jimmy garoppolo he's big time may have been the most flashy game in the history of the world but you know what Big time, showed up in a huge moment, got the job done. Now the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Kudos to them. But if he if he fails again and does not have a huge game and the limitations of who he is as a passer show up, what? 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 Why the face? I think you're setting too high of an expectation for a single guy. This is a team sport. You can have multiple other assets of your team perform and get the job done. Your whole team success, you guys can argue this all you want, does not revolve around your fucking quarterback. Well, we're not saying that. We're just saying his, he's, his team's he's no, saying but he's it, saying though. his team's very good around him, and he has to make two or three good throws to win. That's yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what a quarterback. And he has, has done it. He has made some very clutch throws in certain moments, 
which I could say, you know, very well done. The throw that he made with George Kittle in the Superdome, Superdome. well done to him. He, he he was good in that moment. He made a big throw. I just don't want to. I just don't want to label Jimmy G yet, since this is his second playoff game. Yeah. You know, like he's he's been a starter for how many total games in his career? He just finished his first full season as a starting quarterback in the league. He hasn't yes, played but that it, many. Yes, games, but he's you know? be, he's being paid like a top five okay, guy. Well, yeah, if we're talking so money, he's, so he's so he's prone to that criticism. I he should be. The only thing holding him back is his contract. I mean, we talked about that's it. fair. You say he's on the verge of being good. Like I, I'll give you that. He's, I don't even think he's on the verge of being good. I just think he's he's. A guy. He's a guy in a really, really good position. He's smart and he's efficient, though. And I think that the problem with him is the fact that his contract is so ridiculous. Yes. It's not fair. It's almost not fair to him. I mean, he he shouldn't be getting paid that much money because his career could be so much longer and so much more fruitful if he was on a conservative contract that allowed his team to build around him. Because that's the kind of guy he is. He's a quarterback who should be getting paid not the top level, but can perform at a very high, consistent level with a solid cast around him. And he has that. Like, he's a very good, borderline great cast around him. He's shown he can win. I mean, he's he's won a lot of fucking games. They've they got the one seed. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's doing what he has to do right Winning now. games is winning games in the NFL. Being your second or third year as a starting quarterback, if you're able to put together a long run of wins, you clearly can control the pace and, you know, you can get the game done. But his contract's going to hold him back. I just have not seen anything to me that, su- that suggests that he is anywhere near being a top I would even say a guaranteed top twelve quarterback in the league. I just, I just haven't seen anything. I think he doesn't, he doesn't wow me. He doesn't wow me in any way. There's also so many talented young quarterbacks in the league right now. That were, I can, I mean, I can get on, I can get on board with you with the top twelve argument. But yeah, I mean, I just think he's in the same mold as someone like uh, Jared Goff. I think he's better than Goff. I'll put that out there. I think he's better than Goff, mm-hmm. but I just don't see anything for me that says, you know. Wow, this is just a can't miss guy. This is a money maker. This is a you're gonna start him and he's gonna put the entire team on your back sort of guy. I just have I haven't seen that yet from him. I think he's a money maker. He's a marketable individual. I think well, the, yeah. Well, well, who he is off the field is different from who he is who he is on the field. For the 49ers and who they have that are running the show and coaching the team, I think it's it's the perfect fit for all three of them. Kyle Shanahan's the most creative offensive coach in the league. John Lynch is a very, very good general manager. Yep. And they need a guy like Jimmy G. Yep. Throws an accurate ball. He's a level, he's kind of a level-headed guy. You yeah. can say he's an over-emotional guy. He's not going to, he might not, I mean, I think he could. Like, we haven't seen him, we haven't given him the opportunity to go out there and carry a team because he hasn't had to carry a team. He's played for the Patriots and the 49ers. Right. So I think it's just too soon to label him. Something yet. I know I've, I've been saying Joe Burrow, Hall of Fame quarterback, and leaving a guy, he's, he's not even in the league yet, but I think it's too soon for a guy like Jimmy G. Well, I mean, you and uh, President Trump feel the same way since apparently he thinks he's the next Tom Brady, so apparently you and him have something in common. Um, okay, let's go and talk about some Major League Baseball and everything that's gone on the past week. Um, this is wrapping up a story that we had just started talking about on episode four. Five, I believe it was. We started uh, talking about this uh, this story. Um, Major League Baseball, of course, announced the punishments for the Houston Astros in the wake of a series of allegations that the team legally executed a sign stealing scheme that dated back to 2017. Of course, the year that they won the World Series. General Manager Jeff Lunau was suspended for one year and subsequently fired. Manager AJ Hinch suspended for a year, subsequently fired. 
They lost two years of first and second round picks and have been fined up to $5 million as an organization. I know, big blow for uh, Jim Crane, who's a billionaire owner. That is the maximum you can get fined, though. Yeah, that so. big big blow for them. Um, I can just hear the sarcasm in your voice. Yeah, it, it, exactly. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um, more punishments handed down, of course. Uh, Alex Cora, who has not yet been punished by Major League Baseball, uh, was fired from his managerial position by, uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Um, they agreed to part ways. He wasn't fired. Oh, they mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah, it's a nice way. That's a nice way of saying fired and trying to save face for Alex Cora, who will never be anywhere near a Major League Baseball clubhouse ever again. Uh, is he is probably the biggest single handed biggest cheater in Major League Baseball history? I think I'm pretty comfortable with saying that. Um, Sox scandal. Just oh, Sox scandal. Shoeless Joe Jackson was rolling over in his grave looking at what Alex Cora did. Let's be fair. Uh, and, of course, Carlos Beltran, recently hired by the New York Mets to be their manager, was fired before even managing a game. Uh, he told the Mets he wanted to continue in his post, but he wasn't going to do that. Um, and then also, to go off of that point, I have never in my life of being a sports fan for as long as I can remember seen an organization that is so, so, so nervous, scared, afraid of handling negative criticism like the New York Mets are. It's actually laughable. Can we all agree on something at this table real quick? We could try. Fuck the New York Mets? No. Yeah, I, I agree. This I'm with ridiculous you. Take. There's, no, there's no reason to hate the Mets. Uh, Why is there no reason to hate the Mets? Because they're, first of all, not even a competitor. All right? They have great young talent. Their fans act like they're a World Series contender every fucking year. Well, Thank you. Been to the World Series more times in the last ten years than the Yankees have, so there's something for you. Oh, one time, cool. I mean, how, how many? How many have they won in uh, in their lifetime? I, I don't give a fuck because I wasn't alive for any of them. Okay, you were alive for Yankees World Championships. Right. Don't change my point. You know what I'm trying to say. All right, they've been to the World Series more times recently than the Yankees, but that's besides. Cool. The that point. was our last playoff appearance. If you're not first, you're last. Anyway. So you guys are last every year. Um, I digress. Um, so I think the fact that we're blaming this as the um, Astros, Red Sox, yada, yada, yada scandal is a little bit ridiculous. It, this is the Astros scandal. The Red Sox scandal hasn't even been touched yet. So I'll just put that out there. All right. And what the Red Sox did, like I said last time, is completely different. However, Alex Cora is a scumbag. I'll admit that. All right. He was a faithful leader to my team. Did great things for the Boston Red Sox. In a past life, that man was an absolute scumbag. Completely threw out the rules. Fuck him. Um, but whether you like it or not, Tim, you have to also accept that the Astros and Red Sox scandals for how different they are and how not connected they are are going to be connected because they had the same guy involved in both scandals. That's Alex Cora. He ran the show for both. No, but... But when you when you the way it's being branded is that the Red Sox are almost equally as guilty and we're no 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 and we're waiting no, some not. massive punishment coming to the Red Sox. The Red Sox no. are not going to get nearly the punishment. No, they're going to get a million dollar fine. Alice Cora is already gone, so I don't give a fuck what his punishment is. But that's where the connection lies. It was no, it was with I, Alex Cora. But know, now that the bad apple is gone, then now we yeah. can we can move on and say that the Astros and Red Sox scandals are just completely separated in and of itself. I think the most important thing we need to look at here is if Alex Cora is not banned for life, and even if he is banned for life, 
we need Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Because yep. there's some of this shit that's been happening in baseball, steroids, Stein stealing, all this other bullshit, and the fact that Pete Rose is in the Hall of Fame because he bet on his team to win is ridiculous. I, I will not have it any longer. I want change now. Well, we are talking about now Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds potentially going into the Hall of Fame on Tuesday. Sign me up. And it's looking like that at least one of them is going to make it on the ballot. Uh, if those two are in... You could make a case that they committed a more gr- egregious crime than Pete Rose did. They absolutely did. Yeah, they and we and none of us here. I mean, I mean, if I'm speaking for somebody, please tell me. But I don't have a problem with Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds going into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't have an issue. Best power yeah, hitter of go. all time than Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds probably still would have hit 650 runs without juicing. Like, and you could make an argument that Pete Rose is probably the greatest hitter, the best best pure hitter. Of all time. I don't even know that's an argument. 4,000-something like, hits? Like, yeah. What the His fuck? Untouchable. His record is untouchable. Exactly only thing, right. I'm so happy we derailed this because fuck that conversation about this sign-stealing. I can't talk about it anymore. I'll, I'll come back to it before because I actually have something good to say about I'll, the Red Sox. I'll leave before you do. Um, I can't. I have say. something good to say about okay, the Red Sox. Right, fine. But, um, no, the only thing that really pisses me off about the Pete Rose situation is the fact that he is so fucked by the rules. Like, of I course get, he is. I get what he did wasn't that egregious or anything like that, but it's literally, I, th- I think it's like the first article and like the second section. I, I don't even, it's very, very early in the baseball rules that you cannot lay a wager on a baseball game while you're a manager. You just cannot do it. Yeah. And he did it. And you know, I get it. You know, fine. You, you are subject to permanent ban for baseball. So, fine. But let's figure this out. Let's, let's get something going here because this is ridiculous. Can I segue back to the Red Sox for a second? Please. Please don't. Please do. No. I will I'm very I will very rarely give the Red Sox credit for anything. The fact that they decided to let a manager go after him bringing them back to the promised land after taking a team and becoming a fucking powerhouse in baseball. And just being able to say, you're done, is, I think the Red Sox deserve a lot of credit for that. Because they could have easily have said, nope, he's in a different scene now. And honestly, the only thing that's really screwing with what the Red Sox are having is the fact that there was shit coming about the Red Sox doing the same thing the Astros did. I'll, if they, if he was clean... With this whole thing in Boston, Alec Cora will still be the manager. I'll give them credit to a point because it, it, if we're going to go off of that, then we should say the Mets should get credit for firing Carlos Beltran too. I don't think they even fired him. I think he just walked away. No, he was fired because Carlos Beltran wanted to continue. Oh, really? Carlos Beltran wanted to continue. There was, no, uh, Carlos Beltran wanted to continue. Yeah. Apparently there was tension in the locker room with DeGrom being very agitated with the fact that he faced both of these teams and got rocked. And he did not want to be associated with a manager who was a ringleader in this whole scandal. Speaking of Carlos Beltran, are we believing this account that's apparently his niece? Fuck no. No, absolutely not. Because a lot of notable baseball writers are saying that they've been hearing the same kind of shit. And it's just probably a burner account. 
I don't believe it's Carlos Beltran's niece, maybe, but I think that we might be getting some factual information out of this account. The stuff about Mike Trout taking HGH for a thyroid condition. Well, we just we it, just heard about that recently, though. It was from that account. But if if that is deemed to be true, I've lost all faith in the sport of baseball. No, but I think I was talking about some. some I was talking to someone about this recently that Major League Baseball does have some weird exemption clause regarding, um, I think it's, or is it, it, it might be the NFL, but I know some major sports league, sports league has this clause where if you have a pre-existing like, addiction, I guess they would call it, to a, a growth hormone or something like that, there is a system allowed to take that hormone in a small yeah. dosage to wean yourself off it, whatever. So that's not the most far-fetched thing I've ever heard, that Mike Trout might be taking some kind of supplement. And... I don't know if that's giving him his edge, but it's definitely possible that he's taking something because that, those rules are in place. Like He might have been taking it since he was 12, and they don't know that. Yeah, I mean, that's very fair. Um, I also want to talk about for a second um, the people that should be feeling absolutely screwed by all of this. Um, number one, baseball fans as a whole should feel absolutely robbed by what's been happening. Um, but specifically, I'm going to talk about Dodgers and Yankees fans, how they should feel completely. Hold on, hold on, before you scoff and shake your head and say, oh, here comes the bias. Um, the Dodgers played the Astros in the 2017 World Series, and they have to feel like the Astros used a tactic that they had zero defense in. And we look at the stories that were potentially could have been changed completely. Look at Clayton Kershaw. He had a .83 ERA in that series at home. He goes to Houston, and his ERA is blown up to, I believe, it was high fives, low sixes. And, of course, he threw, he blew the game in game seven, I believe it was, when he gave two home runs in the fifth inning. So we have that. What was his ERA at home this postseason? Not great, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying if Clayton Kershaw wins a World Series – the whole narrative about him completely changes. The Astros took that away from him. Talking about the Yankees now. The Yankees led in that 2017 ALCS until it went back to Houston where the sign stealing could be properly utilized and they could call the pitches, read the signs, and bam, screwed out of a World Series then. And potentially this season, if the buzzard technology they were talking about on Thursday is potentially true that Jose Altuve knew what pitch was coming from a role Chapman was able to get around it and launch it into right field game winning home run don't rip my jersey I got a buzzer underneath gotta go run gotta go run to the clubhouse and take it off where'd the buzzer thing come from the burner account the burner account I'm yeah. telling you yes. a lot of people are in the league and then you look at that the burner account says that I, I'm not saying this burner account is only spitting facts but um, if it says anything about the Yankees, I think we should really look into it deeply. And that's all I have to say about the burner account. Letter B. Letter B of my point here. Uh, Major League Baseball as a whole. They have taken an absolute beating because of this. Uh, there are a lot of people that are asking, how in the hell could Major League Baseball not know that this was going on? Not just from Houston, not just from the Red Sox, but across Major League Baseball. You can't convince me that the Astros and the Red Sox were the only two teams using this level of technology to try and decode signs. And there are others that are asking why the organization did not be punished more as a whole. I think a lot of people are going to say $5 million fine for a billionaire owner. Two 
sets of first and second round draft picks taken away and two guys losing their jobs, it's not necessarily the biggest punishment, the biggest organizational punishment in the world. Um, And then here's letter C. And I'll go back to letter B for a second too because I believe that the punishment that they have is going to not ward off teams in any way. I think teams are going to see this and say, okay, it's not really that big of a loss. So if we want to go ahead and do this, we can. There's nothing really stopping us from going ahead and doing it. Uh, And then letter C is the players that it affects, mainly uh, Jose Altuve, who, of course, won the MVP in 2017. That's going to be under scrutiny for forever. The 2017 Astros World Series championship team, that's going to be screwed forever. Justin Verlander, the World Series that he won with Houston, that's going to be that's going to be skewed forever. So, we're talking about all of, all of this, and there's just so much more that goes into it, just beneath the surface with this scandal, that really catches the eye. Um, and even even the Red Sox championship with Alex Cora in 2018, I know you're not going to agree with it, but it, it doesn't look great. But I want to talk about something else, and Matt and I actually talked about this before. Two days after the Astros won the World Series this past year, Nolan Ryan resigned from his position with the Houston Astros. <laughs> you think the homie knew what was going on? I mean, how old is Nolan Ryan? Does he know what, what else? What, what, anything's going on? No, he's still knocking 100%. He's it, probably in his, like his 60s. I thought Nolan Ryan was like 90. No. No. Uh, Nolan Ryan. Right. No, I think, he's, I think he's in his 70s. Uh, what, was, what was his official position? In a baseball operation. He's 72. All right. He's 72. I, I think Nolan Ryan knew what was going on. I'm going to take, I'm just going to go out and say he didn't know what was going on. Because Nolan Ryan is from that age of baseball, the old baseball traditionalists. I don't think he would have any part in this. And if anything, if he did know, we might, we might know where the league came from. Because he might have realized what was going on and felt so guilty about it and the integrity of the game that he might have been well, the guy who stepped forward. No, we I, know I, where the league came from. It was Mike Fires. Oh, that's right. Mike Fires was the one who stepped forward to Ken Rosenthal in the Athletic. That's right. And gave them the sit the sit down interview. The fucking Athletic. Mike Fires, the rat. I, I I would like to call him a gentleman. I have a question for you guys. Shoot. Um, what do we think about the future of these Astros players? Because we're looking at a season coming up right now where there are players gonna they're gonna be getting hit every game. I think that you can bet your. That might be the least of the problems. Oh, it's going to be fucking that fun, bro. Someone's going to get beaned in yeah. almost every single Astros game this year. Not just that season alone, though. Now for the future. You have this group of guys, George Springer, uh, Jose Altuve. Carlos uh, Correa. Carlos Correa. Bregman. Alex Bregman. Who the fuck is going to want to play with them? They know what these guys did. And these players got off light. Like I yeah. know that the players didn't organize it, but they participated in it. They knew about it. No one said a word. These are some guys whose integrity is definitely questionable at this point. Who's going to want to sign them? Who wants that in their locker room? Who wants to play with them? I got to bet that that list is very short right now. Tim, you just hit the nail on the head. I'm going to give my two points of knowledge here that I personally feel that is right. If word comes out that Jose Altuve did actually have a buzzer on him, he should be given the life ban. I don't think just him. I think it's whomever knew about it, because we were talking about this before, too, that there's a possibility that it was only certain players that were in on the buzzer technology, and that people could have ripped off his jersey and not even knew about it. 
So you could have had players like Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Springer that may have been in on it, and then you have players such as any relief pitcher that didn't even know about it. It had no clue this was going on. So if that's the case, that you had a whole nother scheme going on that other that certain players in your clubhouse didn't even know about, that's even worse. That's even worse. That you have a collective group of players looking to cheat even more so than what the rest of the team is doing. Yep. Give me a break. That's That would be absolutely horrible. And that is when I would say Houston gets a death penalty. Give them everything. Take Altuve's MVP away. Take the World Series away. Go for it. But until then, until there is a point that has to be proven and the case has to be filed, whatever, uh, we can only assume. And it 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 sucks. But the, the evidence uh, against the Astros right now does not particularly look uh, quite good. Um, okay. Does uh, anybody else have anything they want to add? I don't think so. No, I think I'm good. Fuck the Astros. Fuck if, the Astros. If the Astros do uh, get their World Series trophy taken away, uh, will this be the first trophy being taken away from somebody since Reggie Bush's Heisman back in 2005? I believe so, yeah. I think so. Uh, if I have anything to say, it's just the fact that the Astros were such a great story in the fact that they, they switched from the National League to the American League. They were the dumpster of the MLB. And they made their way back to the top in such a quick and efficient manner and won that World Series. And that seems so great for the sport of baseball. It's just such a fucking slap in the face that this is what it came down to. Like, this, that sucks. Like, I hate the Astros and I still respect them so much for what they did. Uh, I can't say that I'm too disappointed. Or no, I can't say I'm upset by what went down very disappointed and angry yeah upset that the astros met their maker no no not about that no. at all. just the way that it went down and what no. they went through before fuck them fuck aj hinch yeah. now here's now here's an even better question for you we can leave it at this before we uh, before we sign off here um who has a better shot of becoming a manager again aj hinch carlos beltran or Alex Cora? Alex Cora is out of the question. I think he's actually getting a lifetime ban. I think he is going to be getting a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy ban. Uh, if I had to pick one who has the best chance, I, I think it's Hinch. I think it's Hinch based on talent and the way that he threw everyone else under the bus. Yeah. I mean, he was clearly in this for the long run like with his answers and how he went about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, Carlos Beltran, you know... Not that he was a bad hire for the Mets, but he was a little bit of a stretch. And now with this under his belt, I don't think he's got much of a shot. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree. Hinch. Hinch. Okay. So that is going to be it for this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. Hopefully everyone enjoys Conference Championship Sunday. Brett, Tim, thank you very much for another wonderful episode. Thank you for having us. And, of course, thank you to our producer, Matt Birdsall. Matt, thank you very much for being a wonderful producer and not getting fired again. Oh, I'm glad I can be of service. And thank you to everyone who listened 
to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify if you have not already. Signing off from the basement, I have been your host, Ed Birdsall. Thank you so much again for listening. Good night.